November 13th, 2023. We're in Masechet Berachot Yod Chet Amud Aleph. Counting from the bottom of the Amud up, it's eight lines up in the middle of the line. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Hiyav, Rabbi Yonatan, Havu Shakleh Ve'azleh Bebet HaKibarot. These two rabbis, Rabbi Hiyam and Rabbi Yohanan, were walking in a cemetery, passing through. The techelet, but more specifically, the sisiot of Rabbi Yonatan, were, um, were dragging on the ground, or at the very least, they were sticking out and exposed. Rabbi Hiyam said to Rabbi Yonatan, pick up your sisiot. He said, you should make sure that you conceal your sisiot so that the dead people, those who are buried in this cemetery, don't say, tomorrow this individual is going to be a part of us, meaning he'll soon die, and today he's shaming us, he's making fun of us. In other words, it looks wrong, it's inappropriate. Well, in the context of people who can't fulfill mitzvot, in other words, the dead corpses, the beings who are buried in the cemetery, that you're fulfilling this mitzvah in an exposed, revealed way. Amar responds Rabbi Yonatan to Rabbi Hiya, questioning, Is it really so? Asks um, Rabbi Yonatan to Rabbi Hiya, Do they know? Well, meaning the dead people, all of, the, all of this. Don't we have a pasuk which seems to suggest that dead people don't know what's happening in this world? Doesn't the pasuk say in Kohelet, The dead people, those who are deceased, don't know anything. It means that they don't know anything about what's transpiring in this world. Amarle, the response in turn of Rabbi Hayat, Rabbi Yonatan, is, Im karita lo shanita, im shanita lo shilashta, im shilashta, if you learned Mikra, if you learned Sefer Kohelet once, you didn't learn it twice. You know something? Maybe you learned it twice, you didn't learn it three times. You didn't review it properly. And even if you did learn it three times, maybe that's what you're going to tell me to be on a time. Clearly, you weren't taught it in the appropriate way. They didn't explain it to you properly. How so? That pasuk needs to be interpreted in more of a figurative sense, not in the literal way that you just... Uh, stated it. You said that the pasuk says v'hametim, those who are dead lo yodei enam yodei meuma. They don't know anything at all. You assume that v'hametim is the literal dead per- people. That's not what it meant. Ki ha'im yodeiim shiamutu elu sadikim shebemitatam nikreu ha'im. He says, look at the whole pasuk. You see, the pasuk says, reading from the beginning, ki ha'im yodeiim shiamutu, and only then does it say v'hametim. So beginning with the first part, to those who are alive know that they'll die, doesn't refer to the literal living people, it means people who are, he explains, sadikim, they're righteous. Why are they called alive? But before why they are called alive, that's in contrast to hametim. Hametim might be living people, but we refer to them as dead because they're not tzaddikim, they're rather reshaim, they're wicked people. And here's how you interpret the pasuk as a result of that interpretation. Kiahayim, those who are righteous tzaddikim, yodeim shiamutu. They keep in mind, they're aware and cognizant of the fact that ultimately speaking they'll die and therefore their lives are inspired. Their lives are lived with a certain urgency. 
they have a realization that they won't live forever, and that's what keeps them righteous. The metim, those who are wicked in this world, they ignore the ultimate reality of death. They assume, wrongfully so, that they'll live forever. When the Pasuk says, Ki hamet, meuma, there's nothing to do with actual dead people. It has alternatively to do with people alive who don't think about death. Reshaim. Okay, now, in terms, to, in terms of fully fleshing out this Pasuk and understanding it, let's read that because the Gemara has a long analysis of this point, and only after that, just giving you the map of what's to come, only after that will it return to this question of whether dead people know what's happening in this world or not. But first, with regards to this Pasuk, how Hayim is a reference to Sadiqim as opposed to Metim, a reference to Reshaim, here's the Derasha, Shene'ema. Before, Two lines from the bottom. Sorry, before we do the Dera shot, is Sitzit the only mitzvah that we have to be careful not to do? No, we had a whole reference of several mitzvot. The Gemara earlier right, told sorry, us. Are, 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 is it only the ones that are listed here? Or, for example, should we be careful not to give tzedakah because the dead might see us giving tzedakah and, you know, get jealous or something like that? Or, I mean, it's all mitzvot. It's do, any mitzvah which is... Don't do anything It's any, any Within four amot of amit, you're not supposed to do any mitzvot begilui. You're not supposed to do any mitzvot in a revealed, uh, straight, uh, straightforward fashion. There's a question if you're covering it, whether it's permitted, and we're posek that you, you're okay. Right, because we cover our CC. Correct. We, we don't take it off. Correct. Correct. As a matter of fact, in that context, many of the poskim read the words of Bet Yosef as maybe, inter- maybe explaining that the sisiot, even in the days of Maran, weren't exposed, but rather were concealed the way many Sfaradim until today wear them. Anyway, so the Derashav here goes, Shene Emar, they cite a pasuk about an individual whose name was Benayahu ben Yehoyada. It's a pasuk from Sefer Shemuel Bet, and the Gemara will have many lines giving a Derashav, this whole hard-to-understand pasuk, clearly encoded words. Benayahu ben Yehoyada was a strong person who was a fought for David HaMelech. But here's what the Pasuk says. Ubenayahu ben Yehoyada, this individual, ben ish hai, we read it hail, rav pe'alim, mikav se'el, hu hika et shene ariel mo'av, vuhu yarad vihika et ha'ari v'tokhabor b'yom ha'shalech. This is a lot of details about this individual, Benayahu ben Yehoyada. Now, the most important part for us will be the first reference to who he was. He was Ben Ishai. He was the son of a living person. What do you mean he's a living person? Everyone is born to someone who's alive. Okay, but before we get to that point, which of course is going to be the main point, let's just uh, break down other words in the Pasuk before the Gemara does based on Rashi. So Rashi, six, seven lines before the end of Rashi on this Amud. Huhika, says Rashi, hishpil et hashanim shel dorot mishenem mikdashim shelo haya bahem kamoto. When there's a reference in the Pasuk to something about two and his striking, it's a reference to the fact that he was greater than the two generations or the two or the many generations during the times of the two bate mikdash. He was greater and grander than anyone who was going to come after him. How, where do you see Bet HaMikdash in this Pasuk? That next word in Rashi, Ariel. Ze Bet HaMikdash, Hoy Ariel, Ariel, Kiryat Hana David. Ariel is a reference to the Bet HaMikdash. Okay, so now back in the Gemara, again, lots of details in this Pasuk, each of which the Gemara will pause to take, uh, to take note of. 
let's start over here. It says the Gemara uh, on the top of Dafyot Heta Mudbet, first and foremost, referring to this individual, Benayao Ben Yohiada, as a Ben Ishai. And again, this is the most important line. This is the line to underline. Ben Ishai, says the Gemara, Atukule Ama Benemeteninu. Do you mean to tell me that the whole world are born to dead people? What do you mean he's born to a live person? The reference to him as being a living person is not in the literal sense, but rather even in his death, he'll be referred to as alive because righteous people, both in their lifetime and after their death, are known as alive. Wicked people, both in their lifetime and after their death, are known as dead. Of course, a, a similar uh, reference in the Gemara and Ta'anit and Bet that Yaakov Avinu Lomet, righteous people, because of the legacy that they leave, are always referred to as alive. And that, of course, is the reference in our Gemara. The, the, that's the relevancy to our Gemara. When the Pasuk says that dead people don't know anything, it's not referring to actual dead people, it's referring to wicked people. What about the rest of this pasuk while we're at it? The Gemara explains it. Rav Pe'alim Mikavse'el. He was known as Rav Pe'alim Benayal Ben Yoyada. Of course, each of these are names of books of Ben Ishai, Yosef Hayim of Baghdad. Rav Pe'alim, he had many actions. He was a, a grand in his activities. Mikavse'el. What's Kavse'el? It's the name of the place where he's from. But we have Derasha about all of this. Shiriba v'kibetz po'alim la Torah. So we read it as Rav Pe'alim, he, he uh, made great and grew the number of Po'alim, those who were acting for, meaning studying and explaining and learning Torah. Mikab Se'el, that's he would also gather those who were Po'alim la Torah. So what was the greatness of Benayel ben Yohoyada? You read the Pasuk in the Torah, and you, in the Navi, and you assume he was a great warrior, more than that. He was great in Torah. He knew how to be ma'amid talmidim harbeh. He knew how to gather and bring together many, many students of Torah. Then the Pasuk says, mo'av. He struck something like two batem mikdash mo'av. What does it mean mo'av? Rashi as well earlier told us that that's a reference to um, the, the batem mikdash which were built by David HaMelech, who's a descendant of Ruth, of course, came from Moab. Uh, but what does it mean for us over here? Says the Gemara, He didn't have anyone like him, neither in the time of the first Bet HaMikdash, nor in the time of the second Bet HaMikdash. He was truly uh, magnificent, larger than life, in a full sense. He descended, he went down, and he struck the lion in the pit on a snowy day. What is that referring to? What does that have to do with Benayao ben Yohoyada? What does that have to do with Torah? Two interpretations. Some explain. It's a reference to literally breaking stone, or excuse me, breaking uh, ice glaciers in order to go into a pit, a literal pit, so that he could do tevila. Why did he need to do tevilah? Explains Rashi. So he could learn Torah. He was a Baal Keri. He wanted to study Torah. We'll have sugyot on this matter later on. He wanted to do it betahara. He wanted to do it without any of the contamination of Baal Keri. And as a result, even on a freezing day, in a very difficult, laborious fashion, 
He broke open that ice in order to go um, bitovel, to immerse himself in the mikveh. Ikadamre, different interpretation, more figurative. De tana sifra de berav de sitva. He learned sifra de berav. That's a reference to Torah Kohanim. Torah Kohanim is the midrash halacha that we have for Sefer Vayikra. It's a very difficult learn. All of Sefer Vayikra is very difficult. The most difficult interpretations of any homash on the Torah is going to be Vayikra. And as a result, it's known as the Ari. He fought against the lion. The lion's going to be the very difficult one, the hard one to conquer. And what does it mean that he did it on the snowy day? Biomad de Sitva, he did it during the winter. The winter, there's not many hours of light. It's much harder to learn uh, so much during the winter. It's one thing, you had a long summer afternoon, long summer day, you learned all of Sefer Torah Kohanim. Also impossible to do. Imagine doing it during the winter. That's the reference. What does it mean that it was in the pit? It was in the bor. Tosafot explains that Vayikra is sandwiched in between two chumashim on each side. Bereshit and Shemot and Bemidvar and Devarim. Vayikra in the middle is like the bor. It's the depths. Alternatively, it's the depths because it's so hard to understand. It's most complex. Regardless, that's what we have then as a explanation of the entire pasuk. What was the greatness of Binayahu ben Yehoyada? You and I would look at him from the stories in the Navi and say, what a strong physical person. Alternatively, says the Gemara, read this pasuk in a figurative fashion and understand he was very great in his spiritual Talmud Torah side. Okay, but the rest of the pasuk, as a result, explains the Gemara. Now that we explain the first part of the pasuk is referring to Sadiqim, the second part of the pasuk is not literal dead people. This is the wicked people who even while alive are known as dead people. What does it mean they don't know anything at all? It means they don't think about death. Means they don't realize that death is imminent. Means they don't understand that hazman kasar that we have to be active in our growth in a spiritual way in any and every activity that we do. We need to be growth oriented and minded. halal rasha Israel. And this is pasuk where Yehiskel comes to the king Sitkiyah and he calls him a halal rasha. A wicked corpse, but he's alive. Why does he refer to him as a corpse? He's alive. So clearly, even though he's alive, if you're referring to him as a rasha, even though Tzitkiyahu was far from a rasha throughout his whole life, Tzitkiyahu, but in this moment he's being referred to as a dead individual because the Navi is referring to him as a rasha. Alternatively, another pasuk that seems to describe a rasha a wicked person as dead even while alive. The Pasuk says that the dead person will be put to death by two or three witnesses. What are you talking about? You put to death the wicked person based on two or three witnesses. Not the dead person. He's alive. Otherwise, you're not killing him. Haihu, uh, says the Gemara, Haihu, he's alive. Ela, Hamet Me'ikara, is considered dead even initially because he's considered wicked. He did something wrong. That's what the witnesses are coming to testify about him in court. Okay, that being the case, we had a standstill on this matter. On the one hand, we had this conversation between Rabbi Yonatan and Bihya. Do dead people know or not? Rabbi Yonatan said, absolutely. Rabbi Yonatan quoted him Pasuk. We deflected the Pasuk. But the matter is, 
anything but resolved. We have plenty of more stories and conversations to try to determine, do dead people know what's happening in our world? Bin Rabbi the sons of Rabbi We saw what Rabbi maintained, that they do. Uh, what happened in this story? Nafok lekaryata. They went out to uh, check on fields of theirs. Uh, they went out, says Rashid, they went to check on different, uh, different investments that they had. So they left their regular area. While they were busy with their business endeavors, they, says Rashid, became burden, uh, a burden. They forgot some of their learning. They were trying to learn. They were trying to discuss a matter in halakha or agada or mikra, and they couldn't uh, put it together. They were so disturbed by the uh, business. They were pained uh, to try to remember. Brother, do you remember this halakha? Can't believe I forgot Forget it. Me not, yeah. Forget me not. Amar One said to his friend, meaning to the brother, Yada avun You think our father knows the pain we have right now that we can't remember the Torah? Amar The other says to him, Minayada. How would he know? Or maybe the first one was not a question. It was matter of factly. Dad knows how, how pained we are right now. And then the other one says, how would he know? Doesn't the pasuk say about a person after his death, his, his sons might be honored, but he won't know. After death, you don't know. The other one responds and says, really? You think when you die, you don't know? Of course dad knows. Father had already passed away. That's what they're debating. Doesn't the Pasuk say alternatively, suggesting that a dead person does know? The Basar has a certain ke'ev. The flesh of a dead person has a certain pain. And it'd be talking, interpreting, and explaining this concept. Said, "Kasha rima lamet kemachat bevasar hahai." Rima, which means the worms which enter into the flesh after its death, as it begins to decompose, is more difficult to the dead person than a needle in live flesh. If a needle were to pierce your skin and to go through your your flesh, it would hurt a lot. Rima after death is more difficult. You see, dead people do have some uh, realization and feeling of what's going on in this world. Amre, the deflection of that proof that maybe a dead person does know, not a good proof. It's possible that dead people know they know their own their own pain. They don't know the pain of others. Uh, they don't understand the aharina of another person's happenings and circumstances in life, which means we still don't have a proof whether dead people do know what's going on outside of their own circumstances and after that. this is that. all to prove if you could wear the CC out or not. This all began with that conversation. Meaning if we can prove that dead people don't actually know, then knock so yourself then they out. Right. But if they so. do know, then they it can. And so. if it's a rasha, they don't know. No, Rasha is that that was not a that that won't help us with anything. That was only saying that when the pasuk says Rasha it means a living wicked person, nothing to do with it's a, a dead side person, point. right? Even it was a side point because we were interpreting the pasuk of the Hametim as referring to Rashaim as opposed to actual dead people. So it won't help us in that respect, and it had to do with their vision and understanding of Yom Ham, Yom Hamavet. 
So, yes, indeed, it does appear clear from our Gemara, if we can definitively say that dead people don't know, you won't have this issue of exposing mitzvot in Bet HaKivarot, for sure. Says Gemara Velo, is it really so that they don't know what's happening? Vahatanya, don't we have a Beraita? It's a long Beraita that tells a long story which seems to set forth for us a realization, a knowledge of dead people with regards to what's happening in this world. So, strap up. It happened with a certain pious, righteous person. I think it's Bihuda ben Bava or Bihuda bar Elias. Ma'aseh b'chasid echad. Shenatan dinar le'ani b'erev Rosh Hashanah b'shaneh basoret. It was during a time of famine. He gave money to a poor person. Uh, right before Rosh Hashanah, now it's a time of famine, every penny we have matters, food is very expensive. And he goes out, you saw a poor person, he gave him a large amount of money, his wife as a result got in a fight with him, she got angered with him. What, you gave away that money? It's beautiful to do mitzvot like tzedakah and chesed, but not at the expense of our family, it's a time of basoret. It's a time of famine. We don't have that. We don't have food appropriately. He had to leave the house because of the dispute within the house for shalom bayit reasons. Where did he find a place to sleep? In the cemetery. And as he's in the cemetery on the night of Rosh Hashanah, he hears, he hears two spirits speaking one to the other. One spirit says to the other, my friend, let's go roam in this world, or in that world, and we'll hear from behind the wall. In other words, we won't be right in the midst of it. Somehow we'll be a little bit removed, but we'll be able to see what's really going on. We'll hear from God's inner chamber or from something that's going on in the other world. What sort of... Uh, detrimental things are going to happen to this world this year. So in other words, here's these two spirits. Let's go uh, hang out around... Uh, here's like two ghosts of some sort. Two he, ghosts in that it. respect, two spirits. And let's find out, he hears them saying, what's going to happen in this world. Are they going to find that out? They'll enter into whatever betin shema'ala means. They'll get into the uh, inner workings of uh, above, to so to speak, what's happening down here. Amirala Haverta, the friend, the female friend, says to... That spirit, I'm sorry, I can't come with you. I'm buried in this mat made of reeds, meaning I'm constrained. Of course, none of this is to be taken literally, including that detail. I mean, if you're dealing with spirits, they're not physically walking around, so it's not really constrained. But regardless, that's the reference. Ela rather says this female spirit to the other one. You go, umasha'at shoma'at. And whatever you hear, come back and tell me. Halechahi veshata. The first spirit who wanted to go roaming goes and it roams. Uba'a ve'amerala and comes back and reports. Haverta, haverati ve'amrala. Haverata, haverati ve'amrala haverata. And its friend says to her, says to it, haverati, my friend. Mashemat me'achore ha'pargod. What did you hear from behind the? The wall. In other words, what's the uh, inner workings? Amrala shemati shikolazorea berevi'ari shona barad malkeoto. I heard that anyone who seeds their field during the first rain season, well, there'll be hail, which is ultimately speaking going to wipe it out. In other words, it's not a good time to seed your field. Stay away from that. 
Halachu, this Oto Hasid, the individual who's sleeping in the cemetery that night, says, Fantastic, I got what to do. And he, he seeds his field only during the second rainy season instead of the first, because he knows the first is not a good time. And the entire world, uh, which seeded during the normal time, during the first rainy season, gets struck. They get messed up in their growth. But he who was wise and knew not to seed during that time, it was not struck. Next year, he says, wow, did so great last year. Might not be in a fight with my wife this year. Let me go sleep in the cemetery again on Rosh Hashanah night. He goes back to the cemetery and he hears the same two spirits talking one to the other. One spirit says to the other, Let's go roam in the world and hear from behind the wall What's going to happen? What negative things are going to happen to this world this year? Didn't I tell you already, says the other spirit? I'm buried in this mat made of reeds. I'm constricted. I'm stuck. Rather, you go. Really, you go. Whatever you hear, come and tell Same me. Story, Same story so far. It goes and it roams that first spirit. Uh, the spirit who's stuck in the cemetery, so to speak, says, What did you hear? This is what I heard. I heard that anyone who, who seeds this coming year in the second rainy season, the, the growth will be struck. It'll be struck with a growth of fungus or whatever. The point is there will be internal issues with anything that's planted in the ground during that year, during the second rainy season. Halach vezara, this Oto Hasid who heard this goes and he knows what to do this time. He plans, shona. he goes, whereas everyone now is nervous about the first rainy season, he knows the first rainy season is the right time to invest in seeding and therefore shall kola olam kulo nishdaf. The entire world's produce is ruined. Vishelo no nishdaf. Ameralo ishto. His wife says to him, noticing something's up, how come you have all the tricks to the market? Everyone else seems to be getting messed up. Nobody seems to be able to read the read the, the tea leaves properly, and you you have it all worked out. How come last year all the growth of others was struck by hail, this year by some sort of disease on the growth, and yours, both years, was immune to it? He tells her everything that happened. Ameru, they said, Lo hayu yamim mu'atim. It, it was not a lot of time. Achena filak tata ben ishto shel oto hasid u ben imah shel oto riba, ota riba. What happened was, there was a fight. This woman, the wife of oto hasid, who now knows all the secrets of what happened, gets in a quarrel, gets in an argument with the mother of the spirit which was uh, constrained, which was bound up by that mahatzele chel kanim, with that mat made of reeds, which apparently is not a very appropriate or very dignified way of burying. It's for poor people. And so as she's in the fight together with this mother of that girl who got buried in that mat of reeds, passed away, apparently. Amerala, she says to her in a moment of anger and fury, I want to go and show you your daughter. I know how you buried your daughter. She's buried in a mat of reeds. 
oh my goodness, she revealed the fact that she knew something that she couldn't have known. How else would she have known it if not for the fact that someone overheard the Spirit speaking, the third year, this Oto Hasid says, now that it's working, now that it's worked, may as well continue. He goes back and sleeps in the cemetery on he hears them again conversing one with the other what happens this third year is upon request let's go roam in the world and find out what's going to happen in a negative way the spirit, which was bound up by that mat of reed, says, oh, please, leave me be. Because apparently, people are listening to us. What we say is being known mm. to those who are alive. Alma, punchline of a whole difficult, hard-to-understand story on so many levels. What does it mean that spirits are talking one with another? What's with the reeds constricting? What's with this predetermined reality for the year? All of those, among many others, difficult questions which need to be and are debated, but for our purposes, in our Gemara, Alma means it's clear, they know what's happening in this world. They have an understanding of the fight between the woman and her and her and the mother of that uh, of that girl with the buried in the reeds. Answers the Gemara, maybe not. Dilma, maybe what happened was Inish Aharina Shachiv Maybe the only way they found out what happened between that woman and the mother of that girl was because someone who was present at the time of the fight passed away and went and told those spirits. Not that the spirits found out from what was taking place in this world, but someone else passed from this world and told them. So as the Gemara, we still need to figure out. How much do they know? Do they know the dead people or not? Ziri left. He was mafkid. He left money by a host. So there was someone who was hosting him, and he left some money with him. He goes to the study hall, to the Beit Midrash, the Beirav, and he comes back and... The host, the person who he was paying rent to and living in their house or inn, passed away. But he had left money there. He's going to lose that money. He goes after it into the cemetery to try to find out where the money go. Where were you leaving it? He says to the dead um, host of his, or hostess, the money that I left by you, where is it? Says, go and, says the spirit to him, go into the hinge of the door where they used to have a hole in the ground where they placed the hinge into, and I stuck it in some place, which is specified, of course, in the time of telling, and that's where you'll find the money. And furthermore, says this dead hostess, please tell my mother, send for me a comb and a, and a tube for, um, eye, uh, for uh, eye uh, shadow um, with this person who's coming tomorrow. 
In other words, in a strange moment, A, he speaks to a dead person. B, the dead person knows who's coming the next day. That's the most significant detail for us. Again, everything else notwithstanding. So he got information from a dead person, hard to understand. But she says, and again, also hard to understand, what do you need a comb and, uh, and a, a tube for eyeshadow after death? But ultimately speaking, the punchline is, it's together with the person who's coming here tomorrow. Clearly, they know. What's happening? What's going to happen? Dilma says the Gemara, maybe they don't know. Duma kadim umachriz lehu. Maybe Duma, Rashi explains Duma like the Pasuk in Tehilim, Duma. Duma was seen as, in the eyes of the Hachamim, in the eyes of uh, several Pesukim, the guard of, uh, of, of those who die. Uh, so maybe Duma, that guard, this metaphysical guard, had announced to the dead people, you should know, tomorrow Jane Doe is coming to us. In other words, they don't per se actually know what's happening in this world, but before the death of another, they're notified. The Gemara has several more stories which we'll learn next time with regards to this issue. Of course, many issues with regards to understanding all of these entirely, but as you said earlier, for the halachic issue that underwrites all this, the reason we really care about this, not just to satisfy our curiosity, is to determine, is there actually any sur to have, to have revealed mitzvot in a beta kevarot in a cemetery or not? And we'll continue with this next time. Baruch Amen Amen.